Blog Talk Radio. Hello, welcome to this installment of Steelers on 24-7 Sports Podcast Edition. My name is Brian Giardo. Wanted to say Facebook Live since I've been doing so many of them, but we're going Podcast Edition here. So glad to have you on the show. We're going to be having Josh Edwards of Cleveland Browns on 24-7 Sports joining us as well as the Steelers and Browns kicking off week one of the regular season. The Steelers a 9.5 point favorite over the Cleveland Browns. The Steelers going for their fifth consecutive win over the Browns dating back to the start of the 2015 season. Ben Roethlisberger has enjoyed a 20-2 lifetime record against the Browns that includes a 10-2 record at First Energy Stadium. He is the winningest quarterback uh, in Browns stadium history, which is which is kind of hard to fathom given the fact that Ben is not a Browns quarterback. So we'll talk about the Browns. We'll talk about the Steelers. Uh, the Steelers only have two injury report or injuries to discuss. Bud Dupree questionable for Sunday with a shoulder injury. He is saying he's going to try to gut it out and play. If he can't, then it's going to be Anthony Ciccolo. Uh And then also Gerald Hawkins, uh, one of the Steelers reserve linemen, uh, will not play. He's dealing with a knee injury now. Shouldn't be uh, too big of a loss, assuming the Steelers don't have any big, uh, you know, injury fronts from their starting five. So once again, Steelers and Browns playing this Sunday as the NFL season about to begin. And joining us now for Browns on twenty four seven Sports, we have Joshua Edwards. Josh, how you doing today, sir? Doing well, Brian. How are you? Oh, I'm doing good, man. We got football coming up here, and uh, you know it, it, the weather's getting a little colder. The sun isn't peeking out as much, so, so you know that it's it's time for football. Uh, talk to us about uh, the Browns. I just kind of went through the, the Steelers injury report. What's going on with Cleveland's injury front, and how are they looking from that end uh, heading into Sunday's game? Yeah, so the Browns injury report just came out as well. Um, we've seen about a dozen names listed on the injury report all week, but. Uh, apparently only a couple of those are worth watching entering Sunday. You've got defensive tackle Danny Shelton, um, who is listed questionable with a knee injury. And then you've obviously got the injury to rookie defensive end Miles Garrett, who um, aggravated an ankle injury in practice earlier this week. He will be uh, out for Sunday's game. That one to me, Josh, seems like the one that stinks the most. Because uh, I think that Steeler fans were excited to see him play, just because of the, of, of you know the bravado, and I and I think we both have discussed this. I think his his draft night comments about Ben wanting to take down Ben were overblown. But that being said, that was kind of one of the, the the fun storylines going into the game. Do you see the Browns still having some vigor on the defensive side, even with, without Garrett? Um, you know, just because they have Greg Williams, and, and Ben said it on his radio show. He expects a lot more blitzes from the Browns this year than in previous years. Do you still see, you know, kind of that that swagger that the Browns seem to be having on the defensive side of the ball going into Sunday's game? Well, I'll say there's this kind of swagger that's kind of permeated through this entire defense. Um, I think defensive coordinator Greg Williams has given them a very – an identity, I guess I would say. They've got a lot of attitude this year. They've been flying to the football uh, been playing with a lot of energy. I think their front seven is going to be, um, you know, if they play up to their potential, they could be one of the best in football because you've obviously got Jamie Collins in the linebacking core. You've got Christian Kirksey, uh, a guy that was number three in the NFL last year in tackles. You've got Danny Shelton, who was close to a Pro Bowl appearance. Um, so obviously the loss of Miles Garrett hurts. He was going to definitely add a dynamic of 
um, you know, pass rush ability off the edge to where it's going to free up some of these other guys to make plays. But you've still got Shelton. You've still got um, a guy like Jamie Meter possibly starting at the other defensive tackle position. Um, and then you've got Emmanuel Ogba, the second-round pick from last year, that's going to start at the other defensive end position. So there's a lot of talent on this defense, and they've definitely got a new energy about them. So uh, whether that clicks early in the season or we have to wait till midway through the season for them to you know, kind of come together and see this, this potential come to fruition remains to be seen. But um, I at least like the direction that it's headed. Talking about what happened yesterday, I, I know the Browns lost the safety. Um, there was a, there was a skirmish reportedly before practice. How much do you think that'll affect the team both off and on the field with the psyche, and then what they you know who they're going to replace him with? Yeah, I don't really think that's going to affect the team at all. I think uh, Calvin Pryor was released yesterday. He was acquired in a trade from the Jets in June. Uh, and from what I can gather, he's kind of been a problem outside of just this fight. So the latest incident was kind of a, the final straw to, to break the camel's back, so to speak. Um, and, and really what it came down to was Hugh Jackson was trying to separate this fight, um, trying to get both players to walk away, and Calvin Pryor would just not give it up. So if your head coach is trying to break up a fight, that's typically not a good sign. And ultimately he um, ended up on the waiver wire before the day's end. So, uh, it's not going to be a big loss. He wasn't scheduled to start. He was probably on the on the roster bubble period before we even got down to the 53-man roster. So I don't think it's going to be a huge loss at all. It's just a matter of guys are going to have to step up and, and compete, fill, fill the role. Yeah, you know, when I heard that initially, that that's kind of what I thought too, that normally when they let someone go, after just one skirmish, that seems to me like, okay, this guy was on his way out anyways. This was kind of the straw that broke the camel's back. Or this this just kind of gave them an excuse to just, you know, just, just cut you know cut their losses there. So, you know, now talking about just in general, you know, the Browns, and you said it too, you know, this is a team that's under a lot of changes. They brought in Hugh Jackson last year. They've got Deshaun Kaiser starting. Uh, now, Deshaun Kaiser has been pretty vocal about what he wants to do against Joe Hayden. And, and, you know, he said that, you know, Joe, who the Steelers, you know, obviously, unless you're living under a rock, the Steelers signed him hours after the Browns released him last Wednesday. Uh, Kaiser said that he wants to attack Hayden. Hayden said he's up, up to the challenge. Um, do you expect the Browns to come out and try to challenge the Steelers Throwing the football? I mean, because, again, it, it seems like that, based on what Kaiser's saying, it seems like that's what he wants to do. Uh, obviously, you cover the team, I don't, so I, I don't have much of a grasp for what the Browns did in terms of moving, you know, the ball with Kaiser during the preseason. But, you know, is that what you're, you would expect, uh, heading to Sunday's game, more pass than run from the Browns? Well, I'll, I'll start by saying I wish Joe Hayden the best of luck. He was a, you know, very prominent figure in the community and just a great person for the locker room. So the Steelers are definitely getting that in Joe Hayden. But from a from a football perspective, he was probably the third or fourth best cornerback on this team um, at this point in the year. And honestly, I would consider cornerback to be one of the team's bigger weaknesses right now. So, I mean, you kind of have to take that for what it's worth. He's a guy that obviously has a lot of potential, but has his injuries robbed him of the, that potential? I mean, We'll see. If he can stay healthy, we'll ultimately see what, what, what he has left in the tank in his career this year. But um, from what the Browns are going to try to do, they've definitely made it clear that 
you know, they want to run the ball a lot more this season uh, with Isaiah Crowell with an improved offensive line. But at the same time, when you're game planning against the other teams, you have to understand their strengths and weaknesses. And right now the Steelers' strength is going to be in their front seven. So if I'm the Browns, I definitely look to challenge that defensive back probably early in the game. You know, Deshaun Kaiser's got a big arm. Maybe the Browns test uh, test that secondary on the first or second play of the game, try to go deep uh, with a guy like Corey Coleman, who has a very good rapport with uh, Deshaun Kaiser early in both of their careers. But uh, generally, I would expect that the game plan is going to call for a lot of running the football. Uh, I think everybody is kind of clear that the Steelers are more are farther along, I guess, in terms of um, you know, where they are as a team right now, given that the Browns are still the youngest team in the NFL. So for me, I think the wise thing would, would be to try to run the ball and shorten the game a little bit. But at the same time, there's going to be opportunities there to push the ball downfield. And I think those are kind of some of the opportunities that you hear of when you hear Deshaun Kaiser speak about targeting uh, Joe Hayden at Steelers secondary. Josh Edwards, Brian Yard of 24-7 Sports, giving you the – Scoop on the Steelers and Browns game. I'll be in uh, First Energy Stadium. Uh, now, what do you think that the, the overall uh, you know mood of the Browns fan base is, Josh? I mean, again, this is a franchise that you know has had, I think, what one winning season, I believe, since since they returned in '99 or two winning seasons. I'm sorry, uh, tw- 2007 and 2002, and they actually almost beat the Steelers in that playoff game back in '02. Is it up? Is it guarded optimism? Is it just kind of hey, let's just let's just see what happens? Because you know when you look at the Steelers fan base, and I mean, you want to say every year it's Super Bowl or bust, but you know I, I think there's been a several years recently, you know, 14 and 15, especially after the team didn't win playoff games since 2010. It was hey, let's let's go on a playoff run and see what happens. And I think last year it was you know can, can this team get to a Super Bowl? And I think this year for the Steelers, it's certainly win it, especially recently. I mean. They made four, I would say, somewhat big moves on the last week, bringing in Vance McDonald. You know, you get something for Sammy Coates, um, who uh, I'd like to ask you about him as well uh, with my next question. But, you know, just kind of getting through this one, you know, as I said, I, just the fan base here is just all about can this team finally beat New England. And it was funny because, you know, on Thursday night when uh, New England won, I was monitoring my page and, you know, updating how, you know, Kansas City pretty much running away from the game in the fourth quarter, and all Steelers fans kept saying was, "It doesn't matter." You know, they weren't delighting at all in New England losing. Well, maybe they took enjoyment in it, but but they weren't looking at, at it any further than they lost Week One, which I think is a good thing because, you know, uh, they're not going to overlook New England anymore. And until they see New England really struggle through an entire season, uh, Steelers fans won't take them lightly. So that's kind of the Steelers' mindset right now uh, is. And a lot of them said, we got to focus on week one against Cleveland. So, And I think that's the team's mentality, too. You know, I think ultimately everybody wants to see if they can face New England uh, at the end of the season. But, but you know, Steeler fans are all about uh, facing the Browns in week one, and they're not taking that one lightly. Uh, so I think it's, it's a good mindset the Steeler fans have. Now, conversely, as I did, made this a very long question, <laughs> what, what's the Browns fans' mindset heading into the 2017 season? Yeah, I think every NFL fan base kind of has this, um, you know, maybe naive at times thought that each year is a new opportunity to, you know, challenge for for a playoff contention, if not the Super Bowl. 
that obviously has not been the case for the Browns for a long time, but uh, they're one of the most loyal fan bases for a reason. I mean, to think that the Browns have any sort of a fan base at this point after nearly two decades of just average or subpar football is, you know, is incredible. So that's a testament to them, first of all. But I would say that there's a little bit of a different feeling surrounding the fan base right now. I, I think uh, for the first time in a long time, it feels like there's an actual direction with Hugh Jackson and Executive Vice President of Football Operations, Sashi Brown. Uh, I think they've clearly got a plan, and, and so far I like what that plan has been. I think for the most part they've they've gotten the better of the trades that they've made. They've they've done a great job of, um, you know, drafting some guys with potential here in the first two years. So there's definitely reasons for optimism, and, you know, whether – whether that amounts to anything, we'll find out in the next couple of years. But uh, for the time being, I think Browns fans are just happy to to have something that they can be hopeful for because they haven't had that in 20 years. So um, I would say that it's it's an exciting time in Cleveland right now, especially when you consider that the Cavaliers won the championship a couple of years ago. Uh, Indians came very close to winning the World Series last year, and they look primed to be – uh, a, a candidate for the World Series again this year. So, you know, in addition to having fo- football finally back in Northeast Ohio, you've got all of these other teams that are at least showing some competence in other athletic avenues. So um, it's just an exciting time in Cleveland in general. But as far as the direction of the Browns, I think there is some baited optimism in terms of, of, of what fans are expecting. I think you made a great point. Uh, in that there's other exciting things from the sports perspective happening in Cleveland, which I think kind of makes the atmosphere when you go to Browns games, I think from the fan base, obviously I think they still want to see the Browns win for sure, but I think it's more of like a, you're going in with almost like enjoying it. Like, you know, the tribe win their 17th in a row and you go into, you know, going to the Browns game, you cheer hard, you're going to get entertained with two NFL teams and you hope your team can win or at least put on a winning effort. And uh, so I do agree with you now on the Pittsburgh end, it kind of seems like the Penguins put pressure on on the Steelers, where they've won five Stanley Cups now, which, you know, the Steelers have six Super Bowl titles. But but you look at it, you know, since 1990, the Steelers have two rings. The Penguins have five. And the Penguins have five since the Steelers won – or three since the Steelers won their last Super Bowl. So, you know, it, it's definitely still a, a football town. I think I, – and I would argue I think Cleveland – and I don't, I don't know if you'd agree, but I think Cleveland still at its core is a football town – uh, but I, I think that hockey in Pittsburgh has kind of put the pressure on the Steelers to, hey, man, like we're in championships here in this sport, so let's see if we can get back to it in, in football. Uh, and then conversely, you know, the Pirates kind of wiltering here uh, puts the emphasis on the Steelers a little bit more that, hey, you know, we have nothing really to cheer for in baseball anymore, so let, let's get this football started. Because when the Pirates were having better seasons, just like, you know, kind of like Cleveland now, um, it wasn't as big of a thing looking forward to football, but now that the Pirates are out of it, uh, people are really into it now. Um, you, you mentioned, uh, we mentioned Sammy Coates. Um, you know, what, what, do you, what do you expect his role to be? Because I, I think that they'll probably look at him a few times, especially since he's playing against his old team, and you know that they're going to be, you know, hung, he's going to be hungry to, to show them what he has. You know, I, I saw that, that, you know, they're going to want him to play some special teams. But again, you know, he's only had, what, maybe three or four practices with Deshaun Kaiser, so obviously, you know, their rapport is going to be limited. What would you expect to see from Sammy Coates on Sunday? Yeah, uh, 
it's it's interesting because obviously you and and Steelers fans are you know more up to date with his capabilities but um one thing that I've learned very quickly is that he is able to run fast um which when you have a quarterback that's able to push the ball down the field in the way that Deshaun Kaiser is that's not a bad problem to have I think uh you know he probably doesn't have a firm grasp of the playbook this this point in the season but uh, when you're able to tell a guy to just, hey, just run straight, <laughs> run as fast as you can, and we'll try to get you the ball, that's about as simple as a football play as you can get. So uh, you'll probably see some of those opportunities earlier in the year because um, he's probably the the fastest, if not the second fastest wide receiver on the team right now. Uh, as far as his future plans with the Browns, I'm I'm really not sure. I think the team is kind of uh, seeing this whole year as an opportunity to evaluate a lot of young players. So if he's able to prove his worth to the Browns this year, I could definitely see him sticking with, uh, you know, the franchise for a long time. But it's going to be – it's going to all be dependent on, on how he does because right now the Browns really have no other options at the wide receiver position. You've got Corey Coleman, you've got Kenny Britt, and then you've got Sammy Coates. Um, and then you've got Ricardo Lewis, who's probably your fourth option now, the guy that Calvin Pryor got in a fist fight with, um, and, you know, a few other guys that Steelers fans probably haven't heard of. So there's a lot of names that, you know, really have proven nothing in the NFL, and they're they're kind of all, um, you know, on on watch to see what they can do this year because – the Browns are really just trying to figure out who's going to be a part of this team in the next couple of years rather than just this year, because I think realistically everybody kind of understands that uh, the Browns probably aren't competing for a playoff or a, or, you know, Super Bowl contending spot this year. That kind of goes into my next question that I think that I, I don't know. I just, I don't want to put the Browns in the cellar at the end of the 17th season. Now, if I'm doing my prediction, you know, I think that, you know, when you look at the AFC North, I, I mean, I think the Steelers are going to win it. I mean, that's probably going to come off as a little biased as well. But, you know, you look, I, I think that the Bengals could be better, a little bit better than they were last year. I think injuries got them, obviously, you know. But overall, I, I just don't think the Bengals are as strong as a team. Uh, you know, they, I don't really think their secondary receivers are anything to write home about. I don't think Dalton is the next level quarterback. He's a, certainly a quality one, but not – you know, he's somewhere in the third tier, I think, of, of NFL quarterbacks. Um, so, you know, not – I would – I mean, if you go with the elite tag, quote-unquote. You know, and then you've got the Ravens who, you know, they're dealing with so many injuries already before the year starts. And, and no one really talks about their, you know, demise since winning Super Bowl Forty Seven. I mean, they've had one playoff appearance since then, one playoff win since then against Pittsburgh. Uh, but, you know, two years in a row, no winning seasons. They did improve win record-wise uh, from – you know, fifteen to four or sixteen to fifteen, five wins in fifteen and eight and sixteen, but still no winning seasons. Um, so, what are your what do you think about you know potentially the Browns at least leapfrogging the Ravens? Uh, you know, for that third spot in the AFC North, and, and do you think they have any chance at competing with Cincinnati for you know the second best team in the AFC North? I I realistically don't think they can jump Cincinnati yet, just because they still have a lot of high end talent. They've got guys with playoff experience. Their defense is still tough. They've got guys like A.J. Green. But I definitely think they at least have a chance to leapfrog Baltimore in terms of divisional standings in the AFC North when the 2017 season's over. Yeah, I mean, just just talk about a division that's been riddled with injuries over the past couple of years. I mean, 
you know, the Steelers had Bud Dupree out for most of the season last year. Uh, the Bengals just can't seem to stay healthy on any front, whether it's, you know, Tyler Eifert, their linebacking core, uh, A.J. Green seems to miss a handful of games every year. So, And then you've got their, their first-round pick, John Ross, who's, you know, already supposedly missing time, who great player when he's able to stay healthy, but I thought it was too big of a risk for them to take him as high as they did. Um, as far as Baltimore is concerned, you know, they've had a lot of injury issues as well. The tight end position has been just devastated with injuries this year. Uh, you know, they had the injury to the running back. You've got Joe Flacco. So I think beyond the Steelers, I agree with you that the Steelers are definitely the, the favorite to win the AFC North this year. I think beyond them, it's kind of a crapshoot in terms of how everybody finishes. Um, I don't think that the Browns are ready to overtake the Bengals. I think the Bengals probably finished second in the AFC North this year. Um, however, I am on record saying that the Browns will pass the Bengals within two years. So you've got this year and you've got next year. I, I honestly think that the Bengals are on a downward trajectory. Uh, I think the loss of Hugh Jackson as a play caller was much more of an issue than people realize. Uh, I, that that offense, you know, had had its best days when he was calling the plays. And over the past year, uh, Andy Dalton just did not look the same. He was a shade of him, him for his former self. So I definitely think that was a big loss. And I think you're right about the Ravens. I think they're kind of d- deteriorating as well. We've kind of talked about, um, you know, age finally catching up with the Steelers and the Ravens. Well, it hasn't caught up to the Steelers yet, but it appears to be catching up with the Ravens. So, um, you know, whether the Browns overtake them this year or next year, I think remains to be seen. I think the Browns could very easily take over the Ravens this year. Um, I think they'll probably take over the Bengals next year and possibly be second in the AFC North. And, you know, we finally get back to this tradition of the Browns and the Steelers that we've hoped for for so many years. But, you know, from a, from a, from a Browns perspective, it's one of those things where you're just kind of waiting and seeing like, yeah, you kind of have optimism about the direction of the franchise, but they haven't done anything. It seems like anytime something good happens with the Browns, there's this counterbalancing effect where something else has to happen. So, you know, you had Brian Hoyer leading the Browns to first place in the AFC North in a potential playoff spot. And then it's like, well, you know, let's, let's try to put Johnny Manziel on there and see what he has. And then this, the, the bottom of the, the season just fell out, and, you know, they haven't been able to contend with anything since then. Uh, you've obviously got the, the injury to Miles Garrett already. So it just seems like, you know, the Browns aren't able to have good things. Anytime something good happens, there's uh, this, you know, this unknown force in the world that, uh, that just says that the Browns have to have this counterbalancing uh, negativity that comes with it. So as far as me being optimistic about the Browns and their future, you know, it's one of those things like, okay, you're going to have to prove it because there's just been so many, you know, call it freak accidents or whatever you want. Uh, Kellen Winslow, you know, just so many, just so many different incidents over the years that it's kind of hard to believe that the Browns can contend, but you know, there's at least some optimism. Yeah, and I, and I think for for Cleveland, I think that you know when you going back to something you said earlier that you, you think that the Bengals have that traject downward trajectory. I think a lot of it is just because I think you've seen the ceiling of what the Bengals can do with Marvin Lewis. I mean, he's been there since 2003, and I'll I be and albeit 
that it is the Bengals organization, and they were pretty terrible when he took over. But that being said, I think when anybody's given 14 years to do something and you haven't done it, I think the writing's on the wall. I mean, he's been given 14 years to win a playoff game, and, and he hasn't. And, you know, it looks like the Bengals' feeling with him is, you know, winning the division, uh, not getting one of the top two seeds, and losing in the first round. And, you know, I think, I, mean, I think everybody can agree they had the Steelers in the bag, that one in the bag, two years ago, and they let it slip through their hands. Cause, and I think the biggest thing that has, you know, affected Marvin Lewis's tenure has been discipline. He, he just hasn't had the discipline of all of his players – uh, and I think you need all of your players to, to be disciplined and at least abide by your code of conduct. Uh, and, and you've just seen that that has not been the case with the Bengals, not just with Perfect, not just with Adam Jones, who I think has turned it around you know, considerably um, you know, over the years. But, but you go back to you know, Odell Thurman and the guys they had in the, in the mid to late 2000s, you know, earlier in his tenure. It just, that's always, and I think with, with Hugh Brown, or Hugh Jackson, I'm sorry, and with Mike Tomlin, even with Harbaugh, you, just, you don't see those things as much, especially with Tomlin. And you're seeing it with Hugh Jackson. I mean, he just let a guy go yesterday. And, you know, you, you could see it that, that, that there's a new kind of fresh mentality in Cleveland and the fact that, you know, the addition of Jackson to the Browns was a subtraction uh, in Cincinnati. So I agree with you. And, yeah, I think we both agree that the, that the, the, uh, the Browns are uh, looking upwards, and I think that's a cool thing. And – you know, and this is something I also want to touch on with you. Again, this is Josh Edwards with Brian Diardo here on the 24-7 Sports Week 1 Steelers versus Browns podcast breakdown. Um, you, know, I, I would love to see the Steelers and Browns rivalry uh, be something again. Not just the fact that, you know, when they get together, it's exciting in itself just because you see those two colors meshing on the field. You know, just like Ohio State-Michigan, you just get that feeling. But beyond the feeling, you, you want it to mean something. And I think that you know, and, and I, I, I don't really know if the Steelers, younger Steeler generation, the younger generation of Steeler fans truly appreciates uh, the rivalry. Um, is that safe to say from the Browns' standpoint, Josh, or do you think the Browns fans still understand the magnitude of this rivalry? Well, before I kind of get into the rivalries, I'll, I'll kind of back up your point about the Bengals and their lack of discipline. I, I think it's an absolute joke that Pac-Man Jones is allowed to be a part of that team. I He's just had so many run-ins with the law. It's like how many opportunities are you, you know, willing to give a guy before you're just sending the absolute wrong message to your team? Um, so you've got that effect. And then you've got Vontez Perfect, who is a, you know, repeat offender of the NFL rules against, you know, targeting and head-to-head collisions and, you know, stuff like that. He just recently gets a suspension, and you're like, oh, okay, let's give him a three-year extension. And, uh, you know, then you go and you draft Joe Mixon. It's like all this stuff kind of coming together. And uh, it's really hard to kind of implement any sort of discipline within your franchise. So I think it's an absolute joke uh, what the Bengals are doing right now. I think there's just no accountability in that organization whatsoever. Marvin Lewis has been an average coach at best, and he continues to be brought back. Um, And then you've got this show of, you know, a lack of discipline that, is permeating through your entire organization. So, and I, I don't think that's good at all. I think that's ultimately going to be a downfall for them. Um, but back to your original question about the rivalry, I think, I think Browns fans are, they're very much aware of where they stand in the series with the Steelers. Um, it's not been much of a rivalry, but 
the Steelers are still the prime rival, if that makes sense. I mean, uh, you know, it hasn't been that competitive, but there's no team that, that Browns fans want to beat on an annual basis more than the Pittsburgh Steelers. It's it's just how it is. You know, when you look at the other teams in the, the division, you've got the obvious connection with the Ravens. Um, you know, the, the Browns moving their franchise to Baltimore back in the 1990s. Um, that's obviously a little bit of a, some some animosity there. So I would say that the Ravens are probably the second biggest rival, but the Bengals are almost irrelevant. Um, every year we kind of build up this battle of Ohio, but uh, I really don't think Browns fans really concern themselves too much with Bengals fans. I think it's very clearly, um, you know, line drawn in the sand. Steelers and the Ravens are the team's two biggest rivals, and the Bengals are just kind of there. Um, and they haven't been competitive enough to have these these rivals, you know, that, that exist outside of the division. There's no, you know, Patriots, Colts, or Broncos, Browns back in the '80s and '90s. You know, there's just there's just none of that stuff outside of the division that you see with good teams. So right now, the Browns have to be focused on a team like the Steelers or a team like the Ravens because that's really all they have. Yeah, and I, and I think that. Like and you made a great point. I mean, in, I you know Steelers want to call it a rivalry with New England, but it's not until you win one, you know, against them. But there still is that thing, just because they do they have met in the postseason quite a bit, you know, this this century, the last couple of decades. So yeah, I, I think that you know I, I think it'll 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 come back. You know, I definitely think so. And I, and I even think you know this game week one, I like the fact that you know the NFL, you know you. They, they, well, the last several seasons have ended Pittsburgh-Cleveland, uh, and now they're starting off the season against one another. I like that. You know, I think that it's good that the NFL still recognizes Steelers and Browns as, as the main rivalry for both teams. And, you know, me being an Ohio native, I know how important it is because if you lose to the Browns, even if the Browns – if the Browns would have won Week 17 last year, they, they finished 2-14, and 14, Steelers are still going to, you know, go to the playoffs, all that stuff. But, but the Browns fans would have talked about that win the entire offseason. And, you know, and, and they would have let you, as a Steeler fan, know that they had beaten you. So I think that Steeler fans outside of Pennsylvania appreciate the rivalry, maybe more, just because they know more Browns fans. That will give them the business if they lose. And I, I know every time the Browns have beaten the Steelers since they've come back in 99 because I just know that, you know, the, the, the rush of Browns fans that have given me grief after those games. But – you know, we'll get you out of here soon, Josh. Again, thank you for joining us. The mind of a Browns uh, fan may be watching this game, and you're seeing the Steelers come into town. What facet of the Steelers are you, I don't want to say afraid, but, but for lack of a better word, I guess I will say it, like uh, afraid that, you know, that this facet of the Steelers will hurt you. Is it the defense? Is it the passing game? Or is it Le'Veon Bell, uh, you know, getting it done on the ground? Uh, I think there's two ways to look at that question. I think um, I think you obviously have to be afraid of the offense, given uh, you, the Steelers have a very good offensive line. They've obviously got one of the best running backs in the NFL, if not the best. Um, you know, um, David Johnson would be the other one in consideration, but it's definitely one of those two. And then you've got Antonio Brown, who's, you know, very much in contention to be the top wide receiver in the NFL. So, you have to be afraid of what they're capable of doing on offense with, you know, Ben Roethlisberger calling the plays. And, um, you know, there's always that aspect of it, but there's also the aspect of, 
the Browns have Deshaun Kaiser starting this weekend in his it's going to be his first NFL start and they're trying to build confidence for him moving forward because they're hoping that he has a long career. So you don't want his confidence shattered in a week one matchup against the rivals. So, you know, the Steelers have a very good pass rush. I think it was, you know, very interesting to see Bud Dupree listed as questionable today. That could possibly have an impact on the game. Um, you know, you've got TJ Watt lined over there on the corner, and then you've always got James Harrison lurking. So I would say that the Steelers' pass rush is definitely a little bit of a concern um, just for the sake of, you know, protecting Deshaun Kaiser's confidence, not only for this week, but, you know, for the rest of the season and his career. I think that's kind of the the dark horse narrative for this weekend. I You know, there's a, the obvious choice being the offense and their, their very talented capabilities. But uh, I, I think the pass rush could very well dictate not only this game, but, you know, most of the season for the Browns this year. Yeah, I, looking at it from the other standpoint, I think that the, the, if you're a Steeler fan, pressure on Ben. Greg Williams in that defense. I mean, I, 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 I remember, you know, what he did with New England, and, or I'm sorry, uh, New Orleans in, you know, 2009 and, and how aggressive they were. And then obviously there was the bounty gate and all that stuff. But, but, but the bottom line, you get down to brass tacks, he gets his guys to play a physical, aggressive brand of football. Back then, did it go over the line? Yeah, maybe a little bit, obviously, because he was suspended for coaching for a year. But – Again, he come, it, it, it comes down to not being intimidated, not caring who the team on the other side of the ball is, and getting after him. And, you know, when you go against a Greg Williams defense, you definitely have to come in it ready to roll and keeping your head uh, on a swivel and, you know, being prepared to, to finish off plays to the whistle and, and through the whistle uh, because you never know when, you know, because the Browns defense isn't going to let up. And I, I will say that. I don't. You've seen games against Cleveland in the past, uh, you know, from a Steelers standpoint where they've quit. You've made them quit. And I don't think – and every NFL team, you see teams just quit. And I, I do not see that happening, especially in week one uh, with a Greg Williams defense. Yes, they're not going to have, um, you know, the number one pick. But they do have Peppers, who I think is going to be interesting too. And I've seen some things about him. But uh, We'll get you out of here with this, Josh. You're just, your last thoughts on the game, things that we may have missed during this podcast, and things that you think the fans uh, should look out for as uh, the NFL season begins with one of the best rivalries historically in the NFL. Yeah, I'll just kind of build on your, you know, your take on Greg Williams, first of all. I think that's been one of the most impressive things for me this season has been um, you know, watching this defense. You've obviously got a lot of young legs. Um, you know, with a lot of guys being in their first couple of years in the NFL, uh, you've got a lot of depth along the defensive line, and then you've got some very talented linebackers. So I've just been very impressed with how quickly the defense has taken to Greg Williams' scheme. Uh, they're flying around the football. They appear to be having fun. I know it's preseason, but they didn't allow a touchdown in the last three preseason games. So uh, there's a lot of reasons to be – you know, excited about the defense and, you know, their capabilities, even without Miles Garrett. I think when he's back, that's obviously going to add, you know, another dynamic to that team in terms of, you know, being able to create turnovers and, you know, he's good at setting the edge. So that's going to help you get off the field on third downs as well. But that's what I'm most excited to see outside of Deshaun Kaiser. Uh, Everybody's kind of hoping that, 
he's the guy that eventually takes the reins and, you know, becomes the franchise quarterback for the Browns. But, you know, anytime there's a rookie quarterback in the NFL, it's very clear what the other team is going to try to do. The other team is going to try and, you know, stack the box and force the rookie to throw, especially when the Browns already have a good offensive line and they've got a couple of good running backs that, you know, could very well dictate the game on the ground. So it, you know, it benefits the Steelers to put eight in the box and force Deshaun Kaiser to throw. Now, if he's able to prove that he can hit some of those throws downfield and, you know, keep the, the Steelers secondary gets burnt and possibly leads to a touchdown or two, then the game plan is going to change not only for that game, but, you know, for the rest of the season. And, uh, you know, that's going to be great for Deshaun Kaiser's confidence. So, it's going to be definitely a chess match this weekend. You know, the Browns are going to try to run the ball. The Steelers are going to try to stop them and force the rookie to throw it. So there's definitely that um, element of the game to look forward to. At least we're probably looking forward to some hard-nosed football this weekend, which as all Steelers and Browns fans know, that's kind of the calling card for uh, the AFC North. You know, it'd be great to finally contribute to – that hard-nosed mentality from a Browns perspective and, uh, you know, get this division back to where it belongs. Because if you look at the division as to where it stands amongst the others, it's very rapidly starting to decline. So uh, another team needs to be able to step up with the Steelers and kind of, you know, take the lead and, and really make the AFC North what it, you know, deserves to be, which is uh, feared by, by other NFL divisions. Absolutely, you know, and and I remember I would say the I would honestly say one of the heydays of of this division. Now, obviously, this is more AFC. This this was back in the Central years. I mean, you had the late '80s when the Steelers were gritty and competitive, and the Bengals were in a Super Bowl, and the Browns were in I think what three out of four AFC Championship games or something of that of along those lines. And Houston was also good with Warren Moon and Glenn, and every team disliked each other. I remember the Browns beat the Steelers fifty-one to nothing back then. Uh, then you had, uh, you know, Sam Weiss, the, the Bengals coach, saying, you know, we're, you're not in Cleveland when fans were throwing, you know, garbage on the field or debris or whatever it was. And then you had the famous, you know, uh, you know, Glanville, Chuck Knoll, almost, you know, fighting on the field in '87. And like you said, that's where I would like uh, this rivalry to, to return to for every team. And obviously, I want the Browns to be a part of that. All right, Josh, I, I lied. I want to get one last hey. thing from you. Well, let a me uh, let me see. If you... Oh sure. Okay, sure. I'll, I'll include that too. I'll include that too. But in case uh, in case you haven't realized, I was going, kind of going through the the game notes this week, and there's a very interesting trend that's that's developed over the past uh, 15 meetings between the Browns and the Steelers. You've got uh, the Browns won a game, and then the Steelers won four games, and then the Browns ended that four game win streak. The Steelers started another four game win streak. The Browns ended that the following game, and now the Steelers are on another four-game win streak. So will the Browns finally, you know, will they continue that trend and get a victory on Sunday? That would be uh, interesting and something worth talking about the next time the two teams meet later this year. But uh, from a score prediction, I hadn't made it too far down in terms of of an actual, uh, you know, score analysis for this game. I do foresee the Steelers winning, I would say, probably – uh, I don't know, 24 to 17 or something. I think that's a, a reasonable score. You've got the Browns at home. Um, Steelers really don't know what to expect from a lot of Browns players, starting with Deshaun Kaiser. So 
I think that could definitely lead to, uh, you know, some, some heartache late in the game for Steelers fans trying to close out a win. But from a rivalry perspective, I think uh, that would be a good start to, you know, what's hopefully a very uh, contentious rivalry for years to come. I hope so, too. And, you know, I don't really know if I have a score either because, you know, it, you saw it Thursday night with the Patriots. Would anybody have guessed 42, uh, 27 Chiefs? You know, and, and that Kareem Hunt was going to be a star. I mean, and, and you don't know. You know, and I, I just – I would like to see a good game. I really do. And I'd like to see a competitive, fun game, uh, something that will build on this rivalry. And that's a, a great point you brought up that, yeah, the Steelers win four in a row and then they lose. I didn't know that. And I do remember 14, uh, week one, when Pittsburgh had that game in the bag, 27-3 to at halftime. Then Cleveland stormed all the way back tied the game and Pittsburgh won late with a field goal and they kind of, you know, got bailed out and then Cleveland smashed them the next time they played in, in Cleveland. And really that was the game where I thought, okay, well this, it might be Armageddon that, you know, every Steeler fans nightmares that one day the Browns will turn the rivalry around again and then it'll be over. And I thought that I was seeing it before my eyes with Shanahan and the, the zone running and all those things. But obviously uh, that, you know, group of Browns is no longer around, but they've got the Hugh Jackson era. And as, as you have said on this podcast, Josh, it's Cleveland, along with the other Cleveland teams being good. It is an exciting time uh, to be a Cleveland sports fan. And, and, and I don't want them to, but, but we'll see if the Browns give them even more reasons to be optimistic on Sunday. So, Hey Josh, thanks again for joining us. Uh, we've been trying to do this for a while, so I'm glad we were able to team up and do this. And I'm sure we'll do more as the 27 season rolls along. Absolutely, man. Anytime. Thanks for having me. Thank you again, Josh, and thank you for everybody listening and for all your news on all things NFL. Keep it locked on 24-7 Sports.